Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I am so glad that you're here. I'm excited about uh, about getting into this today. And this is, uh, you know, it's challenging. It's a challenging time. And, you know, everybody wants to know how, what can I do? What can one person do? To make a difference in our messed up, uh, confused world. And we really see this as we get into Acts chapter 11, because you got to know that at this time there was so much division, so much hatred, so much confusion. And, and uh, even, you know, the, the conflict that, that happens, it begins to be resolved one person at a time. And so backing up here in Acts, what we've seen is um, that these believers were forced to scatter from Jerusalem after Stephen's death because of the persecution that was taking place. Saul had launched this horrible persecution against them, trying to hunt them down and to, to eradicate the name of of Jesus. And so the believers were then scattered all over uh, the, the Roman world to, to different places, uh, including a city called Antioch. Now, Antioch was the third largest, greatest city in the Roman world. Um, the only ones that were, were more, uh, that were larger or more important were Rome and Alexandria. But there were half a million people in Antioch. Antioch was a pluralistic culture. It was a place where all religions sort of had a place and were were melded and and mixed and and it was the the home of the great temple of uh, an immoral god known as Daphne. Uh, the prophetesses of the temple were sacred prostitutes. This place, uh, Antioch, was a great center for entertainment, for athletics, for really a pleasure center. It was known as a city that had gone mad, gone crazy over pleasure. It was a, a swamp. And because, <laughs> I mean, not a literal swamp, but a swamp of just destitution and depravity. And because of this, just the word, the phrase, the name Antioch was used as a catchword around the world for sensual pleasure. It was um, there was activity night and day, just uh, offering whatever pleasure someone could desire. So this was the the world that that 
this was taking place in. But then when you look at it from the Christian perspective, Antioch was the place of the first great Christian church among uh, people who were not Jewish, the Gentiles. Antioch was the city uh, and the church that was the launch pad for the first great worldwide mission uh, emphasis and, and mission activity. And so uh, also another notable thing here we're going to see about Antioch that's amazing is Antioch was the first place where believers were called Christians, which uh, it was kind of meant uh, to, to mock them, like you're a bunch of little Christs, many Christs, and they wore that as a badge of honor. Yes, yes, we're here to represent Christ to our world. And what we see here as we get into this, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. We're going to get into this and see that God uses ordinary people. God loves to use ordinary people for great things. Uh, let's read beginning in verse 19 through 21. Okay, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So if you think of the scattering that was taking place and and you know the persecution that was intended to stamp out Christianity, to stop the spread of Christianity. Instead, God used it. God used it as the people went out to all these different cities and the Christians took advantage of that opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. And so God was using this for his plan. These were people, though, who took great personal risk to share this message because there was this persecution going on. They had a heart for people not just one group of people, but for everyone. And we don't even know their names. God knows their names, but we don't know who they were. Um, and that's amazing. This is one of the greatest events in the history of the world. And yet we don't even know the names of the people who were doing this. This was a first great step forward as the gospel was just generally being shared for the first time with the whole world. And um, there were some times already we've seen throughout the New Testament where there were specific instances where the Holy Spirit was directing people to share with a specific person. But this was just wherever they went. They were going, they were sharing, and the growth of the church happened through unknown people. We don't even know their name. And as believers, if we're really going to reach outside of our walls and the walls of the safety and security of our churches, it's going to be because of ordinary people, each one of us every day looking for opportunities to speak up and tell and invite and reach out to people. It, was it wasn't professional Christians that God was using. It was people normal, everyday people who were witnessing and preaching. In fact, there are three different Greek words that are used here for witnessing and for sharing the word and for preaching. 
the first one is the word preaching. And when we think of preaching, we think, well, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> well, I'm not a preacher. Well, this word really means just talking, just speaking, conversation, the art of conversation with people. And so as these believers were scattered and spread and traveled around, they spoke the word, they shared about Jesus, what he had done in their lives, what he could do in others' lives in ordinary, everyday conversation. It's an idea of one-on-one -on -one witnessing, um, just planting seeds wherever you go in conversation. But notice that it was Jesus who was the focus of their conversation. They had been saved by Jesus. They'd been made alive, not only life for eternity, but life now, life that's more abundant and more full. And they were excited. They were joyful about, because now they had hope that for the first time, they had the greatest hope that you could wrap your mind around. And so this is what they were thinking about all the time. And so if it's what you're thinking about, don't you notice that what you usually talk about is what you're thinking about? and your, where your mind goes, well, they were thinking about what Jesus had done and what Jesus could do. And so they were talking about him and they were sharing him everywhere they went. Um, the word, another word for uh, preaching here means that they were intentionally declaring and, and proclaiming the gospel. Um, that, that means that uh, there were some who went into the city intentionally uh, for a purpose of telling people about Jesus. As they went in, they went and they told him, people will say to you, they'll say, well, you know, you're not doing any good. You're just, you're just preaching at people. Well, it's very biblical that we go and we share Jesus with people. And you never know who's going to be on the receiving end, who needs to hear the message. There's also another word that is exhorted, and that means to encourage uh, to uh, comfort. And, um, and so we're going to meet the greatest, one of the greatest encouragers today, um, but we'll, we'll meet him in just a minute. But I want you to understand that the most famous people are not necessarily the most important people. When we think of important people, we think of the big names, the names that we know, the celebrities, the athletes, the politicians, the, you know, authors, whatever it is. Um, but uh, those aren't the most important people in the world. The, the pastors are not necessarily the most important people in the world. Um, your amount of fame does not determine your amount of success. Your amount of faithfulness determines your success. How faithful are you? You are successful if you are faithful. Our goal shouldn't be that everybody knows our name. Our goal should be that everybody knows the name of Jesus. Our personal goal should not be that everybody calls our name, but to hear our Father say at the end of it all, to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But we see, who does God use? Well, God uses encouragers. We're about to meet one of them right now. In verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, okay? So, sometimes unknown people lack the credibility for people to accept uh, the validity of what they're doing. But uh, the Jerusalem church sent a known person and a respected person to go and investigate and see what was happening. 
and they wisely chose Barnabas. Um, Barnabas was known as a godly man, and he had a bigger perspective uh, than those who had not been traveling around, but he was also known as an encourager. He was a, a true encourager. Well, you say, I would like to do that in my life. How can I be more encouraging to others? The first thing is look for the best in people. Look for the best in people. In verse 23, it says, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was looking and he was seeing <laughs> how God works through broken, um, you know, fragile people. I mean, he he must have seen a lot of weaknesses and he probably saw a lot of people who meant well, but they just weren't doing it all right. Certainly not doing it as well as he would do it, but he didn't focus on that. He looked past the faults and he saw the potential. He saw their value and how God can use us even even, you know, our efforts that we make. Uh, I'm talking about what we say around here. We say, put a 10 on people's forehead, okay? See the best in them. You never know what God can do in people's lives. And there are so many people we uh, see who were young in the faith and they wanted to get involved in serving God and we hold them back or we stop them altogether, we, we see them excited and passionate. We say, okay, we'll put a stop to that. And as a result of that, their growth is stunted, and so is the growth of the kingdom. I remember one particular intern that I had back um, when I was first starting out in ministry. And I had this young intern, and he was he was pretty crazy, you know, and he did a lot of things that I was like, I just don't know about this guy, you know. And I didn't see the potential in him. And since then, he has gone on to do so many great things. In fact, I've seen that in several people that I've worked with along throughout the years, people who I was not able to see all that God was going to do in their life and through their life. And so I've learned, you know, God can use people beyond what I'm able to see. So I just want to see the best in them. And the question for us is, What's our attitude toward people? Is our first attitude one of suspicion? Do we think, I don't know, or do we release people and pour into people? Yes, we've got to help develop people and encourage them and give them resources and give them direction. But we want to believe in people. We want to see the best in them. But we also want to be actively urging people to uh, go the distance to persevere, to not give up. So we see in verse 23, it goes on, it says that Barnabas was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He encouraged people to get even closer to God. And that's the secret. Um, and, and they wanted to know that, you know, they were so encouraged that he was pleased with what they were doing. And that filled them with uh, the desire to do even more. He encouraged them. You know, a well-timed attaboy, pat on the back, way to go, keep it up, keep it going, is worth more than you can know. <laughs> I remember this story of this, this uh, young guy. He was walking through the cemetery, taking a shortcut home one night. And as he was walking along, he fell in an open grave. And he was crying out, get me out of here, get me out of here. He tried to climb out. He just could not 
get out of this open grave. There was no one to hear his cries or to lend him a hand. And so finally he just settled down for the night in the corner of the darkened grave, waiting for the morning to come. And a little while later, another person came and walked the same way through the cemetery and fell in the same grave. Well, that guy started clawing and climbing and shouting and trying to get out. And, uh, <laughs> and the, he, he heard the second guy. In fact, he was crying out. He was saying, I'll never get out of here. And the sec the guy who was already in the grave woke up and said, yes, you can. And he, what do you know? He found the ability to get out of that grave when he was scared enough, when he was motivated enough, he did it. He just needed a little encouragement. And it's easy for those of us who are involved in service week after week, serving God, serving people. Sometimes we get discouraged and we all need people who will say, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Who will support us, pray for us and roll up their sleeves and get in there alongside of us and help us out. And uh, one way that that he does this is um, that that Barnabas does this is through a teaching ministry, and that is one of the qualities of a leader that we see Paul talk about in First Timothy. That you're teaching others, you're directing others. You know, sometimes we think I, I don't want to tell somebody else what I know because then they'll know what I know, and they might even be better than me. Great, God may want to use them in different ways than He wants to use you. Don't let your pride hold you back from pouring into someone else and allowing them to, to grow and to succeed. But then also, we need, if we're going to be used by God and be effective, it's important to live a life of integrity. It says about him in verse 24, it says, He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What, what does Luke mean when he says he was a good man? You know, um, here's the thing. Good people refuse to let the ends justify the means. That means we don't take shortcuts. Uh, good people don't do the, the wrong thing in order to accomplish the right thing. But good people don't have selfish hidden agendas when they get into a position of leadership. They don't use that selfishly to further and empower themselves. Good people don't use other people for their own purposes. Good people don't step on others and climb over others on the way to the top. Good people take responsibility and own up to their mistakes. And in order to produce godly people, we must be godly. You cannot take someone where you have not been. Uh, you got to lead the way. And so to produce people of prayer, we've got to be people of prayer. We have to set the example. To be a uh, church that reaches out to others, you and I need to be personally reaching out to others. Uh, we all want to be holy. There's no shortcut to holiness. It takes commitment and it takes not giving up. But then also we see in order to be used by God, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God empowers us as Christians, and that's a daily process in our lives as we allow Him to continually fill us by surrendering ourselves to the Lord. That's going to show in your worship. 
that's going to show in your daily life. And, and it's a must for us as believers to be being filled. But then also uh, it says about him back in, in verse 24, not only was he full of the Holy Spirit, but he was full of faith. That means we need to be faithful. We need to be full of faith. Faith in God was what uh, empowered Barnabas to sell his land, to sell his property and give the money to the poor. Faith in God in what he could do um, to change lives gave Barnabas the courage to support Paul, to stand up for Paul when others were afraid of Paul. So verse 25, it says, uh, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It's amazing that this is where that people looked at them because they were being discipled and they were growing in their faith. And people said, those are a bunch of little Christs. And they were mocking them when they called them little Christs, but they wore it as a badge of honor. And they said, yeah, that's we're, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's God's goal for our life. And verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And I want you to know, if you want to be used by God, that means go the distance. That means don't give up. Um, success comes from a, a long obedience in the same direction. Okay. You keep walking on the path. And I've seen so many people over the years who they, um, they veer off the path. They get discouraged. They throw up their hands. Don't do it. Uh, keep walking. Barnabas went about a hundred miles to go and get help discipling these uh, new Christians. He went to Tarsus to look for Saul and brought him back. And he had to be motivated for that trip. He he assessed the situation. He knew that it was too big for him to do it on his own. You know, anything great that you're going to do in life, you, you don't want to do it on your own. You need others to come alongside of you. Um, one is too small of a number, you know, to accomplish great things. There's uh, strength in a team. We need each other because we each can work with different people, different personalities. We all know something that the other person doesn't know and can do things the other person can't do. So Barnabas wasn't just willing to accept help. Barnabas went out and got help. He looked for it. And so he was so important. He, he, he knew that it was so important to bring others along with him. And, and he knew this, that, that in, an encourager is not concerned about his own position. Okay. With Paul around, Barnabas was not the only leader. In fact, Paul had a way of kind of stepping up into that leadership position. But encouragers know there are just some things that they can't do on their own. Um, and they're not just living off of what other people say about them. And that allows them to be more effective than if they hold on selfishly to their own position. They're not defensive. Um, and so we need to look for, for capable, strong leaders. Weak leaders bring weak people around them. Strong leaders bring strong people 
around them and empower them to serve. Give them um, uh, authority and responsibility. Okay. And yeah, that means sometimes we lose some of our own control, but that's the way the kingdom is most productive. And then people that God uses are people who help people find their own place in ministry. He gave Paul another place to use his gifts in ministry. And, um, you know, God uses people who use their gifts. God uses people who, uh, who, who develop the gifts that God has given them. In verse 28, it says, One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. So this was Agabus using the gift of prophecy. Um, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is both foretelling and forthtelling. So foretelling is when you know you're telling what the future holds. And that's a pretty rare gift, okay? And you got to be very careful using that gift um, because you want to be accurate. But but forthtelling is something where you're speaking forth boldly, proclaiming what God has already revealed in His Word, and that's being prophetic today. And all of us can find our gift that God has given us and develop it and use it for His glory, okay? Um, and so today, someone... Uh, may pray and you may hear somebody pray and, and it directs you and, and speaks to you. Somebody may say a word from God that was not planned, but God uses it to encourage you. But always, whenever you hear somebody say something that they say they got from God and it's a word from God, you check it against the word of God because God is never going to contradict his word. Okay. And then also God uses people who have a heart for reaching people. If you want to be used by God, allow him to develop your heart for others. Verse 29 says the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So this was a church at Antioch. The people, they had a heart for missions. This made them a partner in missions. They actually received an offering that they sent back to the um, mother church in Jerusalem, and they started mission work themselves. And, and so every church is a church that's on mission. Um, we, we need to not only, you know, people many times will say, well, you need to just take care of the people around you. Yes, we do. But we also need to take care of people who are far away, near and far. There's no boundaries on the mission of Jesus. And so we need to see ourselves as the body of Christ. You and me together, we are the body of Christ alongside all the other believers around the world who, who know Jesus and are, who are part of the family of God. Okay, It is a worldwide mission, but also we need to be actively contributing and supporting the spread of the gospel with missionaries around the world. And as we give, yes, you, you want to check and make sure, hey, is are they in really sharing the gospel? And of course, we just had our mission team come back from the Philippines, and uh, they've brought such incredible stories, not only of 
of you know their experience, but how they saw the church faithfully utilizing the resources that have been given to them to not just help the people uh, physically and their physical needs, but to help them spiritually and tell them about Jesus, which is the hope that they have. The only hope that they have is in Jesus. And so we get to be a part of that. You and I get to be a part of that through the local church. And God wants to use us in the same way that he used Barnabas, the same way he used that early church. He wants to use you to encourage someone. In fact, I want to challenge you today. Who is it that God has laid on your heart? And it could just be a a name, a thought of a a particular person that you say, uh, God has brought that person to mind and I'm going to text them today and encourage them, send them some encouragement specifically for them. Um, Specifically, you can share scripture with them. You can just share a word of hope with them because God wants to use you for his glory and he will use you when you begin to develop a heart for people and you don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory and, and you're living a life of integrity. You're living a life that is uh, that where you make yourself available for God's purpose and his use and you will be surprised how God is going to use you in such great ways to make such a difference when you don't give up, when you're consistently encouraging others. And so I want to encourage you to do that today. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you have a blessed week and I can't wait to see you uh, very soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.